Thank you so much for joining us on Discover Economics, How Did I Get Here? So just who or what is an economist? There's an economic lens for every topic that you can possibly think of. The economists in our podcast are motivated by a desire to change the world and their belief that better data and better understanding are key to achieving this change. I'm very excited and enthusiastic about learning more about what economics can offer us as a society and what are the options when it comes to careers for young people. It's been an absolute delight to do this series and to learn more, to indulge my nosiness and to get to ask so many questions. The questions I'm hoping you as listeners will also have wanted to ask. So thank you so much for listening. On today's episode, we have Anoluwapo Adenuga. Anoluwapo is currently working on her MSc at the London School of Economics, focusing on the effect of culture and bias in finance and technology, with a particular interest in how diversity and digital technology influence financial innovation. She recently completed her first class honours degree in economics from the University of Buckingham. And last year, she launched Black Girl Money, a digital community built to empower women of colour to learn about money and to encourage successful black women to share what they've learned about finance and educate other women on achieving financial stability. So welcome. It's lovely to have you. Hi. Hi, Jennifer. I'm glad to be here. Excited to have a conversation. Yes. Well, I already have so many questions. And also, just to put it out there, that Anu also works on the Discover Economics social media strategy and supports the campaign in many, many more ways than agreeing to be my guest, which I very much appreciate. Of course, of course. Uh, So I'm going to dive right in. Now for you, because you are nice and young and so much younger than me and just at the beginning of your career and probably full of enthusiasm that some of us lost decades ago. So this is nice. I like it. So I'm going to ask you to go back in your memory, not actually too far, but tell us, Annie, what were you like at school? So I was always because of my background and where I'm from, my parents were immigrants to the United Kingdom. So I was always very like academically driven. So I always wanted, I was always very ambitious. So I always wanted to get the best grades. I always wanted to get the top of the class. I did not, <laughs> but <laughs> but I always wanted to. And I think that ambition really fueled my career at secondary school during my GCSEs and my A-levels. So I did get good grades at GCSEs. I did get good grades at A-levels. And that really fueled everything I do today. Luckily, I went to a school where I wasn't necessarily aware of lack of diversity in anything, yet alone economics. So um, it didn't really affect the way I viewed the world growing up. But as a student, I was just, I was, I was just a very academically driven. So I was probably very boring to be friends with at that point. I'm sure that's not true. It was, (laughs) it was, it was an interesting experience. In particular, when I started my A-levels, that's when I began to have an interest in economics. That's when I did economics for the first time. It was during my A-levels. And at that point, I thought I was going to be a doctor. I wanted to study um, medicine. But when I started doing economics at A-level, it was really such an eye-opener. My interest completely changed. It was like, I could see this new way to solve problems. Because ultimately, when people ask me the type of person you are. I've always been a problem solver from school, from I'm the oldest of five siblings. So Ooh, there's a lot of problem solving there. Yes. So I needed I needed to always be a problem solver. So that's the type of person I was at school, probably very academically driven. And 
a problem solver. And also that's quite a change from wanting to be a doctor to going into economics. It's really good that that, that you found that subject like at A-level before, you know, before you make those big decisions about university. Yes, honestly, because before that, I don't think I, I didn't study economics at all. I didn't have an understanding of what it was. And I think that's a common issue for loads of loads of 14, 15, 16 year olds I talk to because they're not aware of the subject necessarily or what the subject is. And I think because I know not a lot of schools give economics or at A level, I think that that's a significant problem in deterring a lot of people from taking up the subject at university or within their career. Because if I never took economics at A levels, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have achieved the things I've achieved today. And I wouldn't have piqued a certain interest of mine. Because honestly, I think economics is like the perfect subject for me if you could put an economic student or someone who could be a potential economist in a box I think I would fit a lot of those boxes and I would never ever have come across the subject if I didn't take it at A level so I'm very happy for that I'm very glad for that and I think a huge way to promote the subject is to push it more at A level for children to take. Definitely and I know certainly when I went to school in the 80s and 90s like that and in Scotland as well I think there's there's even less opportunity to study economic. And some of the conversations that we've had with other guests is about how much when they took that first class or just happened to learn that first taster about economics, how different it was to what they'd thought. Like, what was the thing that stood out to you when you started doing it? So I remember my very first economics lesson. This was like in September when you start your A-levels. So AS, they don't have ASs anymore, but it was AS. And the first thing my economics teacher, I think, said to me was economics at its core is the study of unlimited wants and scarce resources. And that really changed my view of the world because you never really realize it. Like we, we, we do economic transactions every day. We buy things, we apply for jobs, we go to work, but you don't really, no one thinks, oh my God, I'm doing an economic transaction. But when my teacher said that statement, I really began to see almost till today, I apply that statement to it really changed my thinking. I apply that statement to everything I view. So if I'm applying for a job, for example, I'd be like my head, it's just the way I think it really changed the way I think my head would be. What's the scarce resource in that obviously money and unlimited wants because I want to buy all sorts of different things. So I think that that really changed my view of not just economics of the world that really honed I know I previously said I'm a problem solver or I like to think of myself as a problem solver so that really honed almost gave me a purpose that I think has really affected me at my undergraduate degree postgraduate degree with black girl money with everything I've done it really honed what I want to do with my life if that makes sense yeah, no, it absolutely does. And and you speak about it so succinctly as well, because I think, you know, with a number of guests, that kind of thing has come up, like it comes back to fundamentals, like that we don't need to have huge, big explanations. You can succinctly say like, it's the science of scarcity. It's the, you know, it's this, it, it, these things. And certainly for me as listeners know, I'm not an economist and I don't have a background in economics. Like it's people like myself who are either teachers or parents who, you know, are around young people and trying to point them in the right direction or give them advice. And if people like myself don't even understand that that basic part of it, you lose out on that enthusiasm that you just demonstrated so so well. I'm I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what it is. I feel like to really enjoy economics, you have to start from the basics, the very bottom. 
which is why it's so important to teach kids economics from when they're young or in the beginning of their academic journey, because that's when you really build a love for it. Because it's such a step-by-step thing. Before you're learning about macroeconomics, about the government, you want to understand the fundamentals of it because that's the most interesting part. Everything else is just application in economics, just applying the world around you to the fundamentals. But I think the real desire and the real understanding and the real spark that sparks a lot of people I've talked to, even in my undergraduate degree um, that I talk to on a daily basis, it's they all come back to the whole fundamentals. That's really what piques an interest because it's it's really what changes your perspective, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And what's in, what's been interesting about this past year, just thinking about media and how the media is talking about, you know, stats and economics, but also through economics through lots of different lenses, is I've picked up on more people trying to get an understanding of what what's meant. And also I think a lot more newspapers and broadcasters have done like, you know, infographics and explainer videos about what we mean in these changes to the economy. And I'm just imagining that your four younger siblings, have they been grilling you about, uh, excuse me, I've seen this. Can you explain it to me? (laughs) Or are they fed up with how excited you are about the subject of economics? You know what? I don't think I don't think they're fed up or they just don't show it to me. Good. <laughs> one thing about <laughs> one thing about my family and my parents is they've really honed this, like I said, this academic mindset or this just curiosity in me and my siblings ever since we were young. So even my youngest brother, he's nine years old, he's watching BBC analyzing things that I was I personally was not analyzing when I was nine. When I was nine, <laughs> I, what was I doing? I think like I was not analyzing the news. I can say that. (laughs) So I think they're really fascinated by it. And this pandemic has provided a unique opportunity for everyone, like you said, to have an interest in data, infographics, statistics, and in particular, the economy. Because you think of a global health pandemic and right in hand, as we're going through a health crisis, we're going through an economic crisis. And it really shows how... The econ- how important economics is. And I think this pandemic has really brought light to that. And really, a lot of people have become more interested in what's going on in their society, in the economy, and in particular, which I guess leads to my part of the reason I started my brand, is their personal finance. Yeah, my siblings are. They they they're not back to the, to go back to the question. They 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 haven't quite yet gotten fed up with me. They're still very, (laughs) (laughs) they're still very excited. And honestly, I think it's because it's just increasingly relevant for them. If it wasn't as relevant, they'd probably be tired of me talking about numbers all day. (laughs) I I bet you're a bit of an inspiration to them. I imagine you're quite an inspiration to them. But if they're anything like my sister, we probably wouldn't tell each other, but I bet you are. (laughs) that's perfect. I, I try to be, I will say, I, I try to be, but they, they never tell me that. They, they say me. Sometimes my siblings are the funniest. <laughs> they, um, I, I do think to a certain extent they look up to me and I know that. So I try to always be my best self, but we're siblings and inevitably we like fight every day. <laughs> but I do, I do, I try to inspire them. That's good to hear. Well, I'm, well, I think that does lead us on really well to Black Girl Money because I'm sure that's an inspiration to them as well. And I just, but just before I dive in, some of the things you just said about the pandemic you know, I particularly, so I, I mean, I, my husband and I together run our own business and, you know, we hire freelancers and we, we, we know other people who run businesses and it just accelerated, I think, the impact of any kind of negative downturn. Cause obviously recessions usually have a little bit more of a build up, let's say, or a few more warning signs. But obviously with COVID, 
COVID came first and everything else was kind of rushed in like with it. And it's been horrifying and, you know, there's been lots of negative and positive outcomes. I, I feel like what you're doing with Black Girl Money is so important because you're right, like that financial literacy and understanding, especially for women, especially for different minorities across the country, like there's so many pockets of populations that have been hit harder than everyone else. That I think what you've done with Black Girl Money is so important and really impressive. So I really want to speak to you more about that. I've got so many questions. I imagine that the catalyst of the pandemic, like how the pandemic has been a catalyst for so many other things, potentially been a catalyst for you starting this movement, if you like. So tell me, what was it that made you launch, first of all? So this pandemic, you said it's obviously been an accelerator for a downfall, but it's been so unique to me personally, in a sense that it's also accelerated innovation and ideas. And so the reason I started Black Girl Money was because the pandemic started, I was in the middle of my undergraduate degree and I was stuck at home. And it got to a point, I was, I was, I was in my third year, so I was getting close to the end. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do next? I need to learn about money. I need to learn, luckily... I have had an education in economics, but in terms of finance as to what it was, I realized that was never taught to me in primary school or secondary school. And even in my economics degree, I was like, I have an economics degree yet. Certain things in personal finance, you don't always learn in economics because economics is such a broad subject. So I started doing my research. I started looking at investing. I started looking at the stock market. I started looking at, for me personally, it was a way I wanted to build wealth and stability for myself. And then coming across this, I was like, why is this not like common knowledge? Like, why doesn't, why, why doesn't everyone know this? Considering the times we're going through in the middle of a pandemic, everyone, savings are being lost. The stock market is on a roller coaster ride. People are losing jobs. People are going on furlough. And I thought, what can I do from my own little bedroom in London? <laughs> what can I do to make an impact? So to me, the first thing was to look at a representation of myself. I am a black woman. So I remember one day randomly, I just thought of it and I was like, I'm just going to do it. Hence the name Black Girl Money. It's not like the most fantastic name. I love it. Oh, thank you. It really honed to the point of what I was trying to do. So it was to empower other women around me to just look into it, look into personal finance. And when I started reading the data on it, just not, not, not enough women invest, not enough women look at the stock market or not enough understand assets, liabilities. It's, it's just a very male dominated field. And when I was doing research, every YouTube video I'd watch, every Instagram account I'd follow, every blog post was just written by men. And I thought there's no representation to this and it can really be, it can really, it can really put someone off. So I thought, let me just be that. Let me show what I learned. Let me write blogs about what I learned. And that's, that was really the start of Black and Money. It wasn't anything fantastic. It was literally me needing a platform to share everything I'm learning on the daily basis because I was getting so much information in that period of time. And I just, I really, really needed somewhere to just share that. So I was like, I'm just going to build the platform myself. And luckily <laughs> I did not expect, I did not expect it to grow the way that like, honestly, I did not. But in a week I had a hundred followers in two weeks, it was 200 in three weeks and it just kept growing. And I was like, wow, okay. People are actually yearning for this information. People want to know this. And part of that reason I think was because A, people have the time we're in a pandemic and B, with innovation in technology, with how easy it is to invest, just, there's just been a blow up in people wanting to take control of their finances, understanding that you need multiple sources of income because 
in the world we're living in today, it's a pandemic. No one knows what's going to happen in five years from now. So that was the a long winded way of saying how I started Black Money. Not at all. It's so interesting because I follow a lot of the Black Girl Magic hashtag activity on Instagram and Twitter and everything. And as soon as I saw yours, I was like, this is like the financial embodiment of Black Girl Magic. And that's why I loved it. Like I immediately <laughs> saw it and thought, oh, this is so aligned. Yeah. And and also I think that you being in your bedroom in London, like I think I you're downplaying it, like, because that makes it sound like, you know, I just did this little thing and <laughs> here it is. But, you know, like you said, things grew really quickly. And and it's not just that, like for me, it's the quality of the information that you're putting out there. You know, obviously you've got a first class honours degree in economics you're currently doing your msc like you understand at the core you know what what this stuff means and and what you said earlier about you know that lack of kind of basic financial literacy that we just you know that is missing in schools i think you know certainly for me i'm in my 40s and the mistakes i've made with opening a credit card at some point because it seemed like the right thing to do and sometimes it is the right thing to do but you have to understand how credit works and and also something that i'm really aware of as a business owner is how many people run their own businesses and don't understand what impact that has compared to being on a salary for someone else and, you know, the freelance and, and that as well, just talking about the pandemic and, and how that <laughs> changed the economy. You know, it was a lot of freelancers, a lot of contractors, a lot of small business owners like hairdressers, beauticians and and all of those people that form such a part of our economy. And and our, there's a lot of women. They're, they're overrepresented in a lot of these businesses that maybe didn't qualify for furlough or had been contracted into different roles and who then also, um, and I'm not sure if this is the podcast to discuss it on, but another soapbox that I find myself on often is the emotional labor of the pandemic and the way that women were kind of stepping into that, you know, even if you'd had a career or if you still have a career, the childcare elements of the pandemic came into play. And what you said about that, you know, having that foundation of wealth and that portfolio is a is a protection when things like that happen. So not to sound like someone who's interviewing you for a job, but what do you see for Black Girl Money in the next kind of two, three, 10 years? Like, what do you want to happen with it? Oh, that's an interesting question. This is actually the first time anyone's asked me that. <laughs> so... First and foremost, I want it to reach as many, my ultimate goal is for it to reach as many, not just black girls, just as many women as possible, just because it's black girl money and that the niche obviously is targeted at black women. I want it to reach just as many women as possible in the next five, 10 years, whether that's through social media, whether that's through whatever the podcast that we're launching, whether that's through the a YouTube channel. I just, I want it to reach as many women as possible to show them that this is possible, to show them that it's like finance is not this complicated thing that every people on Wall Street or in Can Every Wolf do all day. Like you can do it too. You can understand <laughs> yeah. how to take control of your personal finance, at least to a certain extent. In terms of for myself and the brand, particularly I want it to to grow to a certain extent to be to reach as many people as possible I think that's that's the ultimate goal yeah I mean it's already doing well in that challenge 
<laughs> you know, you are reaching. And I think that, and I, and what I love about your description of, you know, get getting successful Black women to tell their stories as well is so important because, you know, for me, for me as a white woman, well, you know, there's been plenty of things pushing, like whenever a, a women get to the top of the board, you know, not whenever, but nine times out of 10, it's a white woman. You know, that, that's that been happening. There's been visibility. I I like it that this is, because I feel like it sends a signal to, you know, to, to audiences like me and other people that there are some stories that you're not getting and here they are. Yeah. You know, mm. and I think that that's really important because the challenges are different and there are certain obstacles that were in my way that that I understand, but there's a ton of other obstacles in the way of other women who have disability or are not cisgendered or are from other ethnic minorities who are not a pasty white Scottish person. You know, there's <laughs> there's lots of, everyone has different obstacles. And I think if we want to, given that Discover Economics is all about improving access and widening access and getting more diversity, we've got to make sure that it's not just about getting people in the door, but once they're in the door, that there's a safe and supportive space for everyone. Because if one of the things that I was always very conscious of, I started my career in the oil industry. And there were definitely women who were quite senior in the oil industry, but they weren't about opening the door behind them. <laughs> they, they were kind of like they'd gotten into this really male environment and, and you know, did what they had to do to get to, to survive in that male environment. We didn't always feel like there were keeping the door open or building a better environment within that space. And that's something I'm very conscious of. And I think that by by starting something up like Black Girl Money, I think one of the knock-on effects, obviously focusing on Black women and giving having that community and that resource and helping as many Black women as possible. And also, like you said, reaching other women. But also what that means is that other women who look like me can learn what the unique experiences are of women who don't look like us. And then we can help to hopefully be more aware of any microaggressions in the workplace or other things that we is not, it's maybe not obvious to us, but it should be. And there's no reason why we can't educate ourselves because we need to look out for each other, even if looking out for each other means finding the challenges that we don't have. Yeah. You know, it's so, it's, it's so interesting. You brought Discover Economics into this just because at the core of what Discover Economics is it's it's widening like you said widening participation showing representation and I feel like as a black woman that's very very important into because I talk to like I talk to black women on a daily basis from my friends my family and one thing I've realized is a huge thing that puts a lot of us off whether it's whether going for jobs taking up certain opportunities it's almost like I can't do it because there's no one who looks like me there so I can't do it and not everyone is like me not everyone <laughs> is as like oh if I see a group of so I, I just want to be put, I want to push into every room I can possibly get in. Like I was raised, I give my parents the ultimate thanks for this. I was raised to, to believe I can just, I can, if I work hard enough and I put in enough effort, I can be in any room I want to be, no matter if anyone looks like me in that room. And I give my parents the ultimate thanks for this. But you know what? The rest of us should too, because <laughs> I get that that is a hard thing to do. But if, if, if parents like yours didn't raise women like you to walk into those rooms, then no one ever would. So, you know, it's not just that that benefits you, 
obviously it benefits you, yeah, but it benefits true. everyone else as well. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, shout out to my mom. I'm sure she'd love to listen to this. <laughs> yeah, you're completely right. The reality is not a lot of, there's, not everyone is like me. And I think it's important to get people in those rooms. And, but in regards to what you said is once they do get in the rooms, they're not exactly trying to push or they're not exactly trying to pull people up. And I understand that to an extent because you're already a minority in those rooms and there could be a lot of pressure and there could be, you're, you're trying to fight for your own career, for your own goals. It's not always easy to open the doors behind you. So I completely understand women in that scenario but the thing about me is I've just always wanted to share like I I don't do very well just being on my own reading all the time (laughs) like my my natural personality is just to share what I learn whether it's I'm talking about economics or I'm talking about finance to that extent it really went into BGM and the creation of it I think I've lost the question (laughs) (laughs) no that's okay I think it wasn't really a question I think we're just yeah, like it, just an important element of any kind of widening access program, I think, is looking beyond getting people in the door. And that's what I think that the types of con- the type of content that you're putting out, I think it really helps with that. And I think that social media is, you know, such a great platform for that because you can get people like me. One of my favorite things on social is to be a lurker. And I tell people to do that, like, <laughs> Be a lurker because you can Me follow too. people. Yeah, yeah, like you can follow people who have totally different lives from you, totally different experiences from you. And look, and you don't need to things. comment. Yeah, you can learn. You listen, you learn, you can absorb all of these experiences so that you understand things better. And again, that's why it's it's so great that you've chosen the platforms that you have as well. And obviously we'll be including links to this in the in the show notes and stuff like that. But let me let me take a step back into Discover Economics for a second. Cause I know that you said earlier, like you talk to a lot of young people. You are a young person. You, you know, you've just done your undergrad, <laughs> you're you're doing your MSc. So if you were to sit down with teachers, you know, across the UK and give them advice about look, I know I'm a particular type of person. My parents have lined me up to walk into the room, but there are a ton of children in your classrooms that could be excellent in that room, but they won't walk into it without your help. So what advice would you give to teachers to help those students in their care to get the confidence to walk into those rooms? First of all, I admire teachers everywhere like admire what they do I can never be a teacher just because I feel like it takes so much effort discipline patience but what I would say is make the extra effort to pick on that not pick on that's that's not the word for it to listen to the the person who might not raise their hands up all the time who might not talk all the time it's really interesting because especially with especially with girls I was watching this TED talk the other day with I think Cheryl Sandberg at Facebook, she's the, she's a C-level executive at Facebook. And she said, she said she did a talk and she asked a question. And what she said was, I'm going to try and get this really fast. She said only one more question and she asked one more question and she asked another one and she asked another one. But what she realized is after, after she said no more questions, some people still left their hands up or they were all men. So the women put their hands down. And even after she said, I'm not taking more questions, the men put their hands up. And I think that's a huge thing we do as women is we, we we tend to take a step back very easily. So what I would say to teachers, it's 
be aware of it because it's so much easier to solve a problem when you're aware of it. And it's not like I'm different. We all, we all fall fought to this. We we're not always aware of everything going on around us, but just be aware that there might be a girl in your classroom or there might be a student from an ethnic minority in your classroom who might not necessarily raise their hands up, but they know the answer. They have all these great ideas. It's a huge waste of human capital for them to be put off just because they're they're not confident enough. So I'd say the biggest thing is be aware. And I think as a teacher, with all the training and everything, you know, as a teacher, once you're aware of the problem, because I admire teachers, they're very good at solving it. They're very good at getting participation. It's just to be aware of that there is a kid at the back of your classroom who might not necessarily be your stereotypical outgoing child, but that child will have so much ideas that they can contribute. So that's one thing I would I would say. And just pick on them, motivate them, inspire them. Even if it's making extra effort to increase the visual diversity in your resources. So for example, with BGM, when I make content, if you would look, if you look on the Instagram page, it's when getting my cartoons, because I, I do it, I, I'm a very like in my head, I, I like to think I'm artistic. <laughs> I use dark skin toned cartoons, which is harder than I thought to find. But just that, and that's such a it's very little detail. But to me, it has an effect on the psychology of the person looking at it. They can just see themselves more. So that's one thing I'd, I'd say, just be aware. So two things, I guess I said two things. One is be aware that the that there are people who have all these ideas that might be too afraid to raise their hands up. And also just try to increase diversity in visuals that you use to teach. Those are my yeah. to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought up that second one because we haven't talked about that before, but it's so important. Like that thing of being able to see yourself and and I love it because I do. I love your Instagram and <laughs> you're definitely artistic. And, and that's something that I noticed about your illustrations. Like you said, making sure that not just that you obviously have representations of black women, but you have representations of the whole spectrum of black women so that everyone feels exactly. like they are seen. And and particularly, I actually, I've just went and clicked like again on an image that is on your site, so you'll know which one I mean. But there is the cutest picture. And I think it's on a post that says three things you should always invest. And I think that oh. is the cutest little picture I've seen in such a long time. And I love that <laughs> in particular, because I can really imagine like little girls who look like that like seeing that and not just seeing that on social media, but seeing that in the context of I am talking about finance and I'm talking about wealth and I'm talking about investment and I'm talking about these topics that are very white middle class male. And that's who's exactly. usually talking about those topics. And and I think that is like an absolute delight that you've thought about that so carefully. And that's something that teachers can do because I, I do often think that there are potentially, let's say, white teachers who want to maybe increase the diversity of their, like you said, their teaching materials and all of that kind of stuff, but really don't know where to start or are scared that they'll make a mistake or scared that they'll offend someone. And that's why I think that the lurking on social media is so important. Because actually, if you follow people, you know, like, like Black Girl Money, but I follow a a, psycho- a black woman who's a psychologist and and she's amazing. And I'll send you her link after this. I'll, I'll fire over because you will love her. Okay. And, and she really talks specifically 
about her experience and anonymously the experiences of the women that she works with and her patients and, and also her experience of her young child. She's got a girl, she's got a boy and what their experiences of discrimination in the classroom look like and the, the very specific things that she deals with. And if you're a teacher and you follow people like that, you can quickly learn what you should be doing without necessarily asking for the emotional labor of a black woman or someone else who's an ethnic minority. Like there's a lot out there that you can access without having to ask someone else to teach you who is already very stretched, <laughs> you know, and already has to deal with stuff. I'm I'm so glad you said that because there's there's a wealth of information out there. The internet is a beautiful thing. Isn't it? There's, you can, if you want to learn something, you can find anything if you want to. And I feel like if you're put off by asking a black woman, which you're right, sometimes it's like, I'm not, I love being an advocate for black women, but I don't really want to do that every day. Like I would just want to be a, a professional or person, an economist, a student, a woman. And sometimes I might not want to answer those questions. So I, I, I completely agree with you. Lurking on the internet, that, like everything I learn, I, everything I learned about personal finance was from the internet. It might have been easier for me to understand and comprehend that because I did do an economics degree, but the information is out there. So the same way with teachers trying to learn about the struggles of their ethnic minority students, going on the internet, learning about it there and social media, again, goes hand in hand with the internet. It's not a beautiful thing if you follow the right people. I remember when I realized I personally call it the Instagram hack. What I've realized is Instagram, what it does is you can really change. This is what I try to enforce a lot in BGM. You can really change the way you think, depending on how your Instagram look, looks like, because we spend so much time on social media. Like sometimes we don't even realize it and we're consuming that information and it's affecting and like reorientating the way we think, our perceptions, our thoughts very subtly. And simply by following finance Instagrammers, by following economics Instagrammers, news Instagrammers, I found my, the things I think about on a daily basis changed. But like in my final year of my economics degree, when I simply by changing who I follow, because that's information I consume a lot every day. So little things like that can really help. It can really just educate yourself. And I think it just makes you a better person. I'm a huge person, again, because of my parents on learning, curiosity. So I always want to know what's going on in the world around me. So that's a huge, that's a huge way to do it. And in terms of representation with with, <laughs> with BG, BGM yeah the, in terms of the cartoons I just I love animations and because the content is so finance can be as much as I love talking about economics and finance I know some people just it's not that fascinating so I had to I had to find a way to feed this information that would make people actually want to stop and listen I understand they might be interested in it or they might be because of we're in the middle of a pandemic, but to consume that information isn't the easiest thing. So I had to find a way to make it digestible. And I think cartoons was the best way of doing that. We, that's how we learned as children. A lot of us learned through cartoons yeah. as children. And I really went back to that and tapped back into what do we find fascinating? And that was one way. The same thing with Discover Economics. When I create content for that, I try to, I just try to make whatever content I'm trying to produce, whether it's for discover economics or bgm i just try to make it fun that's all my ultimate goal is just to make it enjoyable i'm not trying to produce long articles academic journals for people to consume just to make fun things we can learn things 
by like you don't have to stop having fun or stop learning in a fun way just because you're growing up. I'm a big kid. That's probably that's probably why. But that's 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 my personal belief. Learning isn't necessarily boring. It doesn't just end when you finish your degree or when you finish school. I think okay, see so this is the nerd in me coming out. I think you can make learning fun. So that that's my ultimate <laughs> that's my ultimate goal with any content I'm producing, with anything I do, anything I want to share with people and with my siblings. That's probably why my siblings haven't been bored of me yet because every time I try to relate it to something they find interesting like my little brother he's 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 obsessed with football so I'm always like and they do all these contract changes in football I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be a f- football <laughs> like no but I know I always try to say okay this is the reason for this this is this is the financial economic analysis of this in a way a nine-year-old can understand it if you relate economics and finance to someone's life They'll, I promise you they'll pick it up so easily. That's one thing I found. It's just relating it to things they do on a daily basis because they can connect with it more, hence and improves understanding. I bet there's a load of teachers listening to this right now and thinking, oh, Anu, I wish that you had a lesson plan for that thing that you explained to your nine-year-old brother and how you related economics to football, <laughs> because that would be amazing <laughs> to do with my class. You know what? If you know what? I have a LinkedIn and an Instagram. If you literally just drop me a, you drop me a message there, I would be happy to create <gasps> Amazing. the lesson plan. I love creating things. That's just, that's, I think that's a huge thing about content creations. I just, I love producing content, creating infographics, just all this sort of thing. It's what I do. So. <laughs> and and we're very grateful you do. It's so interesting to hear you talk, Anu, because like what you're saying about curiosity, like that's what I got from my parents as well. And and I tell people all the time, like you cannot stop learning. And actually, even if you wanted to, that's tough because it happens anyway. Like, you know, you're always learning whether you like it or not. And I think that that's really important. And there's a big crossover actually in what you do and, and what I work on, because I, I obviously focus on digital skills and that area. And and I think that there is such a crossover between just being curious and it doesn't really matter which area you're trying to break into. Just keep that curiosity and you can apply it to a million different things. And it And it is lovely to hear you talk about that. I want to just, I've got two final questions I want to squeeze in before I lose you. The first one is, what would you say to date that you are most proud of? This might be a little bit of a cheat to the question. But I think I'm most proud of the, as cheesy as it sounds, the woman I am today, in a sense, not necessarily the physical things I've achieved. It's more the things I've achieved internally for myself. I've, so this is why I said it's a bit of I love that. <laughs> a to the question. You, you said my bio and <laughs> you see in the beginning, you read out my bio and you read out all these list of things that I've done. And I can't really pick one that I'm most proud of because I feel like they all come together. They all make me, they all make who I am. And I'm very proud of the person they've all, they've added some way to who I am today. So I guess my biggest achievement is where I am at this point in my life in terms of my academics, in terms of BGM, in terms of Discover Economics. I think I'm at a point where I'm able to share the things I love with people and as well as take that curiosity I had as a kid and just apply it to every aspect of my life. And I'm still growing. I'm fairly in the beginning of my career, my professional and my 
I'm probably close to the end of my academic career, but I'm in the beginning of my professional career. I'm just, my biggest achievement is just where I am now. It's a combination of the, the person I am now, which is a combination of everything I've achieved till today. Because like I said, I wanted to study medicine. And at that point I was very young. I think it was 17, 18. and not, not really understanding what I wanted to do with my life. But now I have a clear vision and I'm very proud of that. I think that's what I should use. That's what I'm most proud of, having a clear vision of what I want with my life because I'm still at the beginning. I think there's still things I'm going to achieve. Oh my goodness. There are definitely a million things. There are a million things. <laughs> yeah. I think you're a hundred percent correct. You know, to be, like you said, to see how all of those things have kind of contributed to who you are today and your vision for the future. And this is why I'm really pleased that we're interviewing you because I'm hoping that any students listening and parents and, and teachers listening, please play this to your students because this is an important part of an individual's growth, especially at your age, you know, and coming out of education is focusing on that kind of internal monologue, if you like, and that internal confidence and acknowledgement of what you've done so far, especially because I imagine if you're listening to this in 2021 um, and you're a student and you've just been through a year, 18 months of some very disrupted education. And, you know, it's been a, a really huge challenge for everyone that to get to this point and know where you are and where you want to get to, uh, there's not a lot of people who can probably say that. So I think that alone is a really big achievement that you should be proud of. And just to finish off with my last question, if you could give just one okay. tiny bit of advice to parents, like, so imagine that they don't have children as dedicated and nerdy as you, and perhaps their children are a little bit more, maybe not reaching their full potential or really not sure of the direction they want to take and the way you talked about economics earlier and how good it is for everybody to have that kind of foundational literacy in economics. What advice would you give to parents who are looking at their kids, maybe their teenagers and thinking, oh, I need to help them with some direction? What advice would you give? Try, I would say, this is what I would say to parents, try and collaborate with your child to try and find out what they're interested in. Because I think one thing that can happen, I do it to my young siblings as well, is because I have so many young siblings, I can sort of anticipate, I mean, I'm not a parent yet, but I can anticipate the kind of mind parents have. It's you, you, you want your child to succeed and you want to, what you want for them. But I think try and collaborate with them to find their, their path to success. It's so much easier to point a child, in my opinion, in the right direction if you're working with them rather than telling them what to do, especially because I remember myself at like 15, 16, 17, I thought I knew the world. I thought I like was the smartest <laughs> person ever. And at that point that you've built, they've built up enough cognitive ability to know what they want in their life, at least to a certain degree, but they need guidance because they're so young. So I'd say at that point, try and work with them rather than enforcing what you want on them or what you think they should be doing it's easier because then they they see you as a teammate like it's like you're a team you and your child like me mom and dad like we're a team and I'm the ultimate goal is it's my success so I would say ask your kids like what do you want to do why do you want to do this this is what I think rather than oh my god you're not doing this this is what you should do I would that's that's the one piece of advice like I often think that's how that's how I plan hopefully to raise my kids it's it's from a very young age is to work collaboratively with them and 
and it's not just with teenagers. I see it in my nine-year-old brother because kids are so, I personally think they're so intelligent. They absorb so much from very young age. And I feel sometimes as adults, we think um, like, oh, I know better. I know this, which is true because we have all the information we are wise. But you, there's a lot you can unlock in a child from having, I can tell from my young siblings by just talking with them and talking with them as like on a certain level, not like a condescending manner, just being this is what I think. And you'd be very surprised how intelligent and how much a child can absorb and think. So yeah, that's my one advice to parents. Work collaboratively with them to find out their path to success, if I was to put it in a sentence. Brilliant. Yeah. That was so good, yeah. Annie. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for that's letting me right. interview you. Of course. I really enjoyed this. This was brilliant. And I'm sure I'll be able to lobby you to get back on again and answer more questions. And that's that for that episode. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to get in touch with any questions, please visit our website, discovereconomics.co.uk, where you'll also find loads of useful resources. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, remember to go to Apple Podcasts, rate and review. Also remember to subscribe through whichever podcast app you're using so that you always get any new episodes as soon as they're published. See you on the next episode.